0: Coming up next on this episode of the Unlock You podcast. So if you're of the background where it's like, you just need to willpower through it. You just need to think positive. You just need to you know recite these positive mantras or verses some more, then I would challenge you that there's another half of that that you would benefit. Don't give up this side. It's really imperative to keep it. And I live that as well. But you also wanna marry it with a mindfulness and radical acceptance of saying, this is where I'm at and I'm gonna be present and give myself permission to process it. metabolize it out of my system. So it's no longer weighing me down. Now, if you're on the other side where you're radically accepting your feelings and you're present with your emotions, and some people call it analysis paralysis, where you're so aware that you're so mindful that it's just like almost bogging you down. It makes it hard to just function in a day because you're so self-aware. I would challenge you to join the other side, that there's this healthy bridge, this sweet spot in the middle where we need to be diligent to recognize the and of mental health. Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shaden Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. We've gone through disappointments and pivots, and some of us have lost loved ones. I just had the one-year anniversary of my mom going to heaven And that's a really big anniversary and a lot of firsts that I'm going through. And I know I'm not alone. I know many of you have gone through heartbreak and grief. Uh, Maybe it's in your business, in your finances. Some people have had to close businesses or file bankruptcy um, or just really tighten your belt and pray and hope that you can pay just that next month. Um, And some of you have done really well. In the middle of whatever your season is, there's always this juxtaposition where we live in a contrary environment, if we allow our circumstances to inform our mood, we will constantly be on a roller coaster and our mental health will be subject to whatever the economy or the politician or the health condition of the world, instead of something that's intrinsically stored and you get to be the thermostat to inform your mood and your life. I have walked through a lot of depression and being dependent on my environment for joy and happiness, thinking that if I just get that job or relationship or goal or position or money or whatever it might be, that then I'll be happy. Can anyone resonate? It's kind of the American way. And I'm sure many of the world is also like that, where we're looking for something external to finally bring us that joy we've been waiting for. But there's some keys that I would love to give you today that I've found for my own life. Research has also proven it, and I've been able to help a lot of my therapy clients as well as leadership consultant clients. First of all, there's a extreme. Some people want you to just focus on the positive, and that can get very out of balance. I recommend uh, several positivity books and positive psychology resources, but sometimes in isolation, when it's siloed, it actually could lead to more suppression where I'm burying and denying the pain inside, which then comes back with a vengeance later. And that's what a trigger is. So while I use those resources, I think they always need to be coupled with the mindfulness, radical acceptance of being aware of what I'm feeling while not staying camped there. And human nature is that we always look for a box to kind of rally around and approach a model, a person, and say, this is the thing. But in reality, as multifaceted creatures, usually it's an and, not an or. So if you're of the background where it's like, you just need to willpower through it. You just need to think positive. You just need to, you know, recite these positive mantras or verses some more, then I would challenge you that there's another half of that, that you would benefit. Don't give up this side. It's really imperative to keep it. And I live that as well, but you also want to marry it With a mindfulness and radical acceptance of saying, this is where I'm at and I'm going to be present and give myself permission to process it, metabolize it out of my system so it's no longer weighing me down. Now, if you're on the other side where you're radically accepting your feelings and you're present with your emotions and some people call it analysis paralysis, where you're so aware that you're so mindful that it's just like almost um, bogging you down. It makes it hard to just function in a day because you're so self-aware. I would challenge you to join the other side that there's this healthy bridge, this sweet spot in the middle where we need to be diligent to recognize the and of mental health. If we ignore the sad, angry, painful, um, rejection, shame, if we ignore that, we disavow it. Disavow just means kind of deny and put it in the unconscious. It doesn't actually go away. By not being present with the sadness that's down there, what you're doing is actually backlogging a lot of pain that then it's like the dam is filling up. And before you know it, it eventually will come back out. The dam is going to leak. And then that's a trigger where in the future, you're going, why am I feeling so depressed or sad or down or angry or upset about this situation? And the biggest thing I tell my clients is what you're dealing with today is about a one or a two on the volume dial of emotion. Everything else, when your volume gets turned up and you're like, I'm just, I can't believe it. And I'm ruminating and I'm thinking about it. And I try to go to the movie theater and yet I'm still focused on that situation or that person or how I would rebuttal it if I can't stop thinking about it when I'm trying to sleep, if it's coming into my dreams, if I'm trying to listen to somebody important to me and yet that emotion is still surfacing, then you know you're triggered. That means it's old emotion I haven't been mindful of. And there's lots of times that that happens. It happened to me the other night. I personally thought I was in a very good emotional state and I was just kind of journaling, writing, I had very, uh, there's an abide channel on YouTube, which I highly recommend super, super good soaking music, just like chill. They can uh, have instrumental with no words and it's just kind of playing in the background. And so I was in a situation where I was forced to just kind of sit and be present and be quiet doesn't happen often, but apparently I need to do it more often. So I'm journaling, writing, normal. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm angry. Like I see a vision of me like hitting something. And I'm like, I don't know that I'm angry. Is this like multiple personality? Like, what are we dealing with? And it's not, don't worry. Um, But it was me that I had been suppressing because my personality and apparently my defense mechanism is positivity. And so I had been unconsciously denying where I was angry and sad, that I was tired of hearing people say, "Oh, well, we had that situation and then it just resolved really quickly or we prayed and it went away and person got healed and I'm like, no, that's nice. We prayed too, and my mom died, you know, like bitter. <laughs> and that's not normally my personality, but there were definitely some moments where I would tell somebody my mom had gone to heaven and they're like,, Oh yeah, well, that didn't happen to us because we believed or we prayed or we went to this kind of doctor or this treatment or this blah, blah, blah. And in their their enthusiasm of their situation, they were very insensitive to my situation. And in the moment, I want to be gracious and lovely. And so I just ignore my own reaction to that. But what I didn't realize is there was pain that was accumulating. That every time it felt like I shared my heart with somebody in a trusting environment and it felt like they just kind of dropped me. There was a lot of pain there that I didn't realize that you share something with somebody and then they're just like, "Uh uh-huh, I don't know what to do with that. So I'm going to keep talking or tell you a story or try to encourage you or tell you what to do as if you don't know what to do. Most of life isn't the head knowledge of knowing what to do. Most of life is actually sitting in the process to allow transformation, to sit in the emotional space that sacred place where finally unconscious emotions, thoughts, and feelings can surface. When you can be that kind of friend for somebody, and I have good friends that have sat with me in that place, then the emotion starts to surface. And sometimes it also just surfaces when I'm alone and willing to let the pain come up. Many of us have pain that could be 30 40, 26 years old, you know, there's lots of pain that, uh, there's no time limit on emotion. It's not like all uh, time heals all wounds. That's not actually true. It's quite the inverse. The older, the pain, the more bitter and resentful it gets. So we want to have a discipline of cleaning our emotions out regularly so that you don't get backlogged and then develop a bitter root that then causes you to be a negative Nancy and a worldview of critical and hostile and just unhealthy things that we don't even realize we're giving out in the world. So I'm in this night it's soaking music, I'm journaling. And now I see myself like hitting in anger. And I'm so shocked because I didn't, I genuinely did not know I was angry. I mean, let's be honest, anger is a stage of grief. So if there's anybody out there that's angry, and you don't know why you're sabotaging yourself you don't know why you're critical or negative or jealous or insecure um or just kind of eating too much uh watching too much things that are just kind of sabotaging yourself sometimes that's actually misdirected anger that we don't know how to acknowledge and so it's kind of leaking out of us and it will sabotage your life because if anger doesn't go out it goes against and so in my case i just saw this anger And so what I visualized is me punching and kicking Jesus. Now, I know that may kind of mess with your head a little bit, but for me, that's my most secure relationship that I feel I can be the most safe and unconditionally loved. It may be a different relationship for you. That may not be where you go. But for me, I feel the most unconditionally loved (laughs) in all my junk with Jesus. So I just visualize in my imagination that Jesus is saying, I can take it. I can handle all your anger, even if it's not really my fault, even if I didn't really cause that. This is a broken, fallen world where death is a part of this life, unfortunately. And so it's not that I'm um, giving permission to rage at God, but I'm saying in your healthiest attachment relationships, you can be authentic and Jesus can handle your anger as well. So I saw him standing there and just willingly saying, I will hold and contain all that anger, even though it wasn't his fault. But there was a part of me that was really angry and upset that he allowed my mom to die after I had prayed and fasted and did communion and had every person on the planet who's even seen dead people raised from the life or dead to life. They like, it's been done. And she did not live. I prayed at the casket. I prayed at the gravesite for her to be resurrected. It didn't happen. And I was horribly disappointed. And I didn't know that unconsciously that was birthing seeds of discontent and mistrust toward the Lord, that I had given my everything Literally, given my everything that I knew how to give, I'm sure there's more, but of all that Shannon's able to do, I did everything I could to bring my mom back and it didn't happen. And he heard my prayers. And for some reason, he chose to take her home instead of her being here. You may have different theology on that. And I don't even want to argue that. I'm just saying the reality, we did what we could and she's not here. How many times have you pressed in and prayed and believed, and maybe there's a marriage that you believed you did the right thing, you tried, you contended, you did all that you could, and the other person still walked away. Or a child that's deciding to walk their own journey, and it's totally opposite of everything you've instilled inside of them. You've done all that you know to do, and there's anger there. There's disappointment And pain that is not paid attention to turns into resentment. And resentment is bitter, and it makes us bitter. It makes it hard to hope. It makes it hard to lean in and trust and try again. I found that the first probably year, (laughs) it was hard to even pray for things because my little faith muscles are like, I did what I knew to do, and it didn't happen. How do I believe again? How do I get back up from this place? And as long as I didn't acknowledge the disappointment, the anger, the resentment, all this hurt in my relationship with the Lord, then it just festered on the inside, but I didn't know. So I said, Lord, I am pissed. I'm angry. I'm hurt. Now, again, my theology is like, he's good. But yet my soul is experiencing a lot of hurt and betrayal. So you have to kind of hold that space, which is really interesting to let yourself go there, even though in your mind, you may be like, well, not all of me agrees with this and believes with this. What you're wanting to do is just give voice to that deeper unconscious part of you so that it's not whack a mold down there causing infection in your soul that then turns into bitterness, mistrust, doubt, unbelief, resentment, that then undermines so many of your goals in life. My hope is that we can give you keys to unlock the areas of disappointment and turn them into areas of thankfulness. So in my night of listening to Soaking, And all of a sudden this rage and cussing and crying, and I'm just writing and releasing. And in my imagination, I'm punching and kicking and flailing with an awareness that the Lord is leaning into that space because of love. I don't believe that that's his will for people to die. I believe that's a part of the fall. I believe there's an enemy. I think death is a part of the curse, but he also reminded me that in 2005, I prayed for my mom to live from eye cancer, which is super fatal. Like you get brain cancer and you just die. And in 2005, I prayed for her and I heard him audibly say, I'm going to heal her. And it was easy. I didn't pray. I didn't fast. I didn't contend. I just one quick little prayer. And he said, I'm going to heal her. And I said, okay, great. I trust you in that. And then I just moved on and she happened, quote unquote, happened to get to a specialist in San Francisco. Who's like the only person that doesn't just take the eyeball out, but he put this radiation behind the eyeball and all this stuff. And God even started to heal her vision out of an eyeball that had radiation. And, um, some of my childhood was actually hard with my mom. And the Lord reminded me that, Shannon, when you prayed in 2005 and I healed your mom, and I did, God healed my mom from eye cancer. She should have died. That was a very progressive, rapid type of cancer. And then you got 15 years. And those were actually, in retrospect, the sweetest years I've ever had with my mom. Can you think back in your life for times that right now you may be in disappointment, There may be things that are closed doors and it hurts and it's painful right now, but can you look back and say, there was goodness. There was another time that something worked out and I don't understand why it didn't this time, but I'm going to see it through a lens of thankfulness. And when we can make that shift and start to say, thank you for what you have done. And in the very moment of my mom being um, taken to heaven and her spirit leaving her body, and she's just a shell laying on this bed at that point, and our family's all gathered around her. In that moment, I felt my spirit say, somehow this is better. Now we know that did not come from Shannon. That didn't come from the enemy. But somehow my spirit, while I know that that's not God's best for her to not be here, I do know that he can still work in the middle of the chaos and the hard and the uh, pain and heartache of this life. And so by taking that perspective, it's almost like you're putting up your shield of faith. And in that posture, when you can say somehow this is better, divorce may not have been your plan. Bankruptcy may not have been your plan. The loss of a loved one to COVID or to a million other things, or having to, you know, have children in or out of your life, um, a million scenarios that you may be walking through. And somehow this is better. Somehow God's going to work it together for good. I can't see it yet. And it's not good right now, but somehow it will be. If you can do that, it's like you're placing a shield around your thought life. You might call it a helmet. And so in that helmet, you're now taking your thoughts captive. You've created a narrative about how you're going to see your situation. It doesn't mean it's perfect or it's sovereign or that you can't change it along the way, but you're picking up a belief system of positivity and redemption. That right now in the middle of the storm, when it feels like Egypt is, you know, chasing you down and you're in front of a flood and water, that's not parting that in that moment, you take your thoughts captive and you say, somehow this is better. Somehow I can be grateful. And the Lord will remind you of goodness that the child that came from that marriage, that even though the relationship dissolved from the sweet years, you did get with that person before there's an emotional sever or a disconnect right now. If you can learn to play the movie out, and that was a key the Lord gave me in the last season, that we go through heartache. You and I both, Jesus said, red letters, in this life, you will have heartache. And it is a false doctrine. If you think you're going to escape it by being positive enough, I I thought that. And so the Lord has shown me, you will have heartache, you will have pain, but if you trust me, I will walk with you and I will redeem the pain and it will be better. This life is not our hope. There will be good. There will be anointing and grace that comes through your life and you will be able to help others through the power of the anointing you gain through that trial. While that is true, we also have to hold the truth that there's still the human experience. My spirit is strong, knows the truth and armors up. And I have a soul and my soul is sad. My soul is angry and disappointed and it sucks. And when we bring that pain into relationship. With trusted pastors, friends, counselors, God, and ourselves, and actually acknowledge the places where we're angry and pissed, and it didn't work out the way I had hoped and believed and tarried for. And yet, in that, there's intimacy. And what you lack in just fortifying yourself and just being positive and just believing you would not get the deep reservoir of intimacy of knowing and being known. Because the most opposite thing happens. You tell God how angry and disappointed and hurt you are. And if you believe, you know, that he's still good and you don't just end the conversation there, but you stay and hang in there because he'll be quiet to let you vent it out. Kind of like if a um, a kid's crying and you're just kind of holding them. I got you. I understand. I validate. I get it. You're not going to do a bunch of talking. It's not like God interrupts and he's like, thus saith the Lord, it's going to be okay. It's just, there's this stillness and this quietness and all for myself, just visualize hugging him, putting my head in in his chest and saying, Papa, this hurts. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm mad at you. I'm frustrated. I don't get it. I've done all the things people told me to do and what I even felt you told me to do. And it didn't work the way I expected that it would. But in obedience, by doing what I felt he led me to do of praying and fasting and believing and going on prayer marches and praying in the spirit, I was built up. To the fact that I was able to continue doing therapy, continue leadership consulting, continue being a professor and a mentor and an advisor to other leaders and influencers in the midst of my own heartache, I was still built up and strong. I took, I think one week off, and I'm not saying that you should do that. I'm just saying real life, if you're obedient, you may not get the outcome that you expect that I expect but there's something fortified, built up and strengthened inside of you that you will need to run the race ahead of you and not faint and become weary. There is a trial that is birthing something greater and deeper in you that you will need to walk through that trial. And then there will be times of refreshing. I thought right after mom going to heaven, uh, God was going to give me all these desires and dreams of my heart and everything was just going to be kumbaya because he kind of owed me like I was faithful and obedient. I did my part. He didn't do his part. So surely all this is going to happen. And it actually got worse. My car was totaled, I had all these storms and got COVID, didn't get to go on vacation. Uh, my love life went even worse. like all the things that like could go right went the opposite direction. In that moment, by being built up during the trial, by praying and believing and contending, I didn't get the outcome I was expecting, but I was able to persevere and not faint. And now In times of refreshing, now looking back at the last year and this sense of rest that's come over me, that sometimes you're in a battle and you have to fight. You have to kind of pull that armor on and you have to believe and confess truth. And I'll go on marches and just start marching around, believing and confessing truth. And then there's times of refreshing where you have to sit down and be present with how your soul is doing. And the biggest part of me being a psychologist is I think helping you learn, helping me learn how to steward our souls. It is easy to live from our head, to be topical, superficial, content, knowledge, talk about the right things and principles. But on the inside, there is emotion attached to everything we're going through. And if we don't process and steward that, we will be miserable and we will constantly kind of be dragging dead weight, this dam of emotion that's always just kind of waiting to be broken through and people get medicated based on old affect or emotion that has not been processed. There is a strategy that I believe if you pick it up, you will be unrecognizable that you don't live from your emotions. That's not your reality, but you sit and you process in the place of intimacy you let people into that place through authenticity. That's why I overshare all the things on my show, because I want this to be a safe place where you learn through transparency and authenticity with the right people, that you can clean that stuff out, that you can do positivity, that you can believe by hope you can get up and continue to run that race in the midst of heartache and you can take times of refreshing. You can journal and process. You can do soaking. Sometimes I'll just lay on the floor and just put really fantastic soaking music on and just let it wash over me. And it's in a very different posture than worship. Worship is me giving to the Lord Soaking is like you're letting him soak his refreshing back into you. And many of us are burnt out because we're not taking time to soak and receive. We're constantly giving to our kids, our families, our business, our clients, community, but we're not receiving. And this world is not meant to be our source. Your spouse your job, your career, your position. It's not your source. It will burn you out if you're looking for those kudos from people because people are fickle. But if you say, I am going to receive first, kind of like that oxygen mask on your face, and you're going to let your heart be known, you're going to be seen and valued even in your most unattractive moments, not just in the good ones. Then your soul is like, huh? like buoyant, right? How many times uh, myself and my clients that we go, oh, I don't want to feel the emotions. Everybody just balks at that, right? I do as well. I don't want to cry. I want to be positive, darn it. But then when I get it out in compassion, not just crying for crying sake, not just self-pity crying and depression crying, but like a true, like I am releasing emotion into relationship. When that happens, there is an exchange where a burden is released. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And now I'm taking his refreshing. The way I picture it is like, there's a geyser on the inside of you it's constant. It's the spirit. Uh, it's the fruit of the spirit from the Holy spirit. You have love and joy, peace and patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control constantly inside of you. It's yours. You don't have to work for it. It's just a gift. But when we have heartache, depression, disappointment, doubt, fear, anxiety, shame, walls, vows, judgments. It's like there's these boulders that are sitting on top of that geyser and it's blocking and inhibiting the ability of that water to just flow freely. And this is a season where we wanna learn to play the movie through. Don't get stuck in one season trying to just willpower yourself. That may be the right thing in one part of your journey. But don't stay there. You have to learn the flexibility of now coming to the other side to take that armor off and tend to the wounds and the battle scars and the betrayals, the disappointments, the stabbed in the back situations that we've all been through, where you may get a mean letter and somebody sends you something out of the blue that you're like, geez, you do not wish me well. (laughs) I've had that. How do I get back up from that and not allow it to just, um, become a wound that I don't tend to, but instead we become authentic and vulnerable in safe community. And now we can play that movie through. You can transition back into, um, leaning into adventure, leaning into intimacy and relationships and starting to hope again. And it's so opposite, right? That you would think after a really hard year, the last year was hard for me and probably for many of you as well. But yet I feel more hope, more confidence, more passion, and more unwavering zeal that the goodness of the Lord is in the land of the living. And I want to get you unlocked so that you can do that for others. I don't know how it works. I just know. That by armoring up, believing in the goodness of God, even in hard situations, and processing the emotion with vulnerability, raw, unedited, just let it spew out, and then letting that connection where you've unburdened your soul, and now you get to receive. And when you receive that inside, now you have something to give. Now you have refreshing, and that geyser is able to flow freely again. This is a time for us to transition from all or nothing thinking, from just siloing ourselves into one model or one way of doing life and learning how to play the movie through and say, what is my soul needing right now? And it could change day to day, even within the same day, just by getting really good sleep getting good nutrition, getting good, clean water without chlorine and fluoride and all the things, getting more chemical-free in your uh, diet and cleaning products, just by doing practical things, getting all of your systems in alignment, now you have the refreshing and the energy to want to clean your house, to call a friend, to go on a walk, to get some fresh air. You'll feel like yourself again if you'll just be diligent to do the inner work so that your soul doesn't stay stuck in the place of grief. We go through grief and it sucks and it's terrible. And I can't imagine the things that you have walked through. There are multiple disappointments that I've never experienced that you are walking through and I honor you and I am applauding you that you're still standing, that you're even listening to this podcast right now, instead of just wanting to just zone out in front of TV, which is fine. It's just not life-giving. So by being here, I applaud you. By playing the movie forward and leaning into, maybe there's something that could help. Maybe there's another narrative, another interpretation I could have and not just stay stuck in the grief. I don't know how to explain it, but it just helps so much to just in my imagination to visualize the situation where I very easily could get stuck and then picture the movie playing forward and seeing goodness. And I started to ask the Lord, Father, would you show me your goodness in that? Would you show me the beauty that's coming from that? And by just asking for those prayer requests, asking for that mind shift, I started to see things differently. It was like before I just saw life one dimensional. And then over time, and it wasn't like a burning bush sudden, but all of a sudden I would see goodness. I would see beauty. I would start to see redemption. I would start to see how things are turning and working together for good. The situation is not good, but there's a turning. There's a redeeming, there's a, a something that can stir up hope, that may not be tangible. you may not have language for it, but it just feels like there is a possibility that things could become enchanting and whimsical and lovely again, instead of heavy and weary and bogged down. I know that you are a leader. I know you're an influencer. I know you're not broken. And I know that you've gone through pain, that you have some wounds and battle scars, just like me and just like the rest of us. But what you do with that, if you stay stuck in that moment and that becomes your defining moment, or if you play the movie through and you continue to see the rest of the story, you see the redemption that can come through it. Now you have something to anchor, to build your life on kind of like David where he was going to fight the Philistine, he already had fought the lion and the bear. He already had testimony of the faithfulness of God that when he put himself out there and he believed that he was capable of doing it, God backed up the word of his prophet, that David was able to do it. And David professed to the Philistine Goliath. And he was like, you come with a spear and I come in the name of the Lord. That there's a fire and a tenacity, a bravery that comes inside of you. And I am believing that for you. I don't know what trials you've walked through, but I know that there is something fortified and strengthened on the inside of you. Would you join me in looking at the beauty and asking to see the redemption, to see the movie played out, that it always at the worst part of the movie, it feels like all is lost. And then there's this turning moment, and even in literature, uh, secular literature, they talk about this kind of like God intervening type moment but they say it in Latin and there's this Kairos moment that like the impossible happens and it shifts everything and we watch these movies that have terrible moments and if you stopped the movie right there it would be a terrible film and you'd feel depressed and sad and they never got back together and the end world did end and the apocalypse and the zombies and all the bad things happen right But if you keep playing the movie, you'll see the hand of God, you'll see redemption. And for many of us, me included 2020 on every front, just felt like the movie is over. Like the film is over. We are all screwed. It's rough. Buy your food rations and get your bunker because we're, it's over. That's all I have to say. I lost so much hair out of stress that I didn't know I was stressed. So funny. Because I was listening to a bad report and I wasn't believing that the movie could still play out and God is still on his throne. He's still active in your life. He's still turning things together for good. And when you cannot see it, then ask him. Ask him, show me how the movie is still playing out. Show me your goodness. Show me redemption. Show me beauty. Help me have a new perspective. I reject the belief that my life will end like this. I reject the catastrophe that this will be how it always is in my life. And I choose to get back up and believe that there's a new story, a new day, and there's a redemption plan being uh, worked into history right now as I just continue to walk in faith and obedience. I am cheering you on. In a season of many going through grief, there is so much beauty that is just on the horizon. If you faint not, you will reap a harvest. Good is coming 2022, 2023, 2097. I don't know the dates, right? But it will be good. Choose to play the movie forward. Don't get stuck at the worst moments. Continue to look ahead with hope instead of catastrophe. I love you guys, and I'm praying that you take this key of playing the movie forward, of looking for a new interpretation, that somehow this is better, even though it doesn't make sense and it's killing you and breaking your heart right now. If you choose to continue to believe in hope and redemption, you will be a part of a greater plan to help prophesy, bring life and exodus to other people who've been bound. And there will be more harvest, more goodness, more fruit that will come in your days ahead if you just keep leaning in pressing in, even in the places of pain, and there will be so much good fruit that comes from it. I love you, and I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for watching this episode of Unlock You. It is our dream to invest in you. And one of the ways you can do that is by getting more of the bonus material, the content, and to know about future events. Head to the website, drshannoncrawford.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and you'll be the first to know what we're rolling out. And we want you to truly get unlocked so that you can thrive, not only for yourself, but also for the calling on your life. Let's link arms and do it together. See you in the next episode.